Welcome to Digication Scholars Conversations. I'm your host, Kelly Driscoll. In this episode, you'll hear part two of my conversation with Allison Carson from Manhattanville College. More links and information about today's conversation can be found on Digication's Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Full episodes of Digication Scholars Conversations can be found on YouTube or your favorite podcast app. You are about to hear part two of our conversation with Allison Carson from Manhattanville College. Please be sure to listen to our previous episode to hear part one of this conversation. And I'm so happy that you brought up Connect to Learning because I don't know that we've had another guest on Digication Scholars that was as deeply involved in that experience as you were, Allison, Um, because I think you were part of one of the first groups And um, would you mind sharing a little bit what that process was like? Because I think that was also (laughs) this very kind of structured experience um, where, you know, you were experimenting and trying new things at your campus, even though I know Manhattanville has a very long history with portfolios. This was a different kind of direction for the institution Mm -hmm. at the time. Would you mind sharing a little bit what that kind of process was like and sure. you know I feel like that was its own kind of community that was being built with a number of institutions that were kind of doing the same kind of of experimentations at the time. Yeah. Yeah. So um We, so Manhattanville had, unfortunately I'm going to put it in past tense, a paper portfolio um tradition um that started in 1973. And it was really about um, mm-hmm. a method for students to demonstrate their learning um, through um, explanation and reflection of various pieces of their education. And it was a graduation requirement that all students um, needed to submit a portfolio. By the time I came along, and I guess we'll talk about 2010, um, I, the, the reason I got involved was because I was actually the chairperson of the committee that reviewed all of the student portfolios. And you can imagine they were paper portfolios and they were sort of these expanded <laughs> file folders and we would pull out their essays and sometimes mm-hmm. there was a CD in there if they had, a, I don't know, music that they wanted us to listen to. Um, But we were really recognizing that um, a couple of things. One, while the portfolio system, it had changed over those, what is that, 30-some years, obviously. Um, Students Mm -hmm. had to submit a sophomore portfolio. They had to submit a senior portfolio. It was, for the most part, pretty reflective. But I think as an institution, we really hadn't fully embraced the amount of the ways in which reflection takes time, right? I mean, reflection really takes time. Mm -hmm. And, um, And I would argue that reflection is a practice that needs to be, that literally needs to be practiced. And so if we're asking people to do this just twice in their, in their careers, um, in college, often the reflections we got were not particularly deep. Um, Additionally, we were not supporting faculty in the work that needed to be done on their ends in supporting successful completion of the portfolio. 
meaning there was no credit for faculty mm-hmm. to do this. There was no credit for students to do this. And it was becoming a, a hoop to jump through rather than um, a meaningful educational experience and tradition at the college. So when we joined Making Connections in 2010, we really were looking to move the portfolio system to e-portfolio so that our students could get the benefits of um, all of the multimedia pieces that the technology had to offer. But it really I think that's what we thought we were doing when we first signed up, but through participation and making connections, it became clear. And that's where we did so much of our learning around e-portfolio pedagogy and this notion of focusing on process over product. It really became clear that it was so much more than just a technology and which we didn't really fully understand going into, into that um, project. Um, And so it became a very large project at the college because we were trying to switch everybody over to this new medium and help faculty learn the technology, but also learn the pedagogy. So a big piece of what uh, Making Connections did for us was helped us to really understand good professional development, which was something that we had not had mm-hmm. on our campus previously. Um, and so one of the big takeaways, not takeaways, one of the big outcomes for us um, and one of the things that Brett and his colleagues talk a lot about is ePortfolio being a catalyst for change. And for us, one of the big pieces that ePortfolio did for us on our campus is we ended up, we actually now have a center for teaching, learning, and scholarship, which was something that we did not have on our campus prior to the work that we were doing. And I um, feel strongly that it was the work that we were doing with ePortfolio that really led to that. Um, and... Um, And we still have that center on our campus today. And what's super exciting for me is that in my role as associate provost, I supervise the director in that center. So it's been this really lovely connection where I feel like, again, around the work that I was doing with ePortfolio, it was my first experience, um, one, receiving professional development, two, learning about how to do professional development well and the value of it. Um, mm-hmm. And now really being able to support um, professional development at my own institution from a place of that experience and the ways in which I have both benefited, have benefited from it through my own career. So that's been a really fun um, sort of full circle. Yeah, what a, a wonderful kind of thread through. Yeah. It makes so much sense hearing you talk about it. Um and how do you feel like your experience as a um, professor has informed that too? And, and especially one in psychology. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, the other, um, the other piece that I wanted to just talk about um, and I could talk a lot about how cultural psychology and design thinking are very similar, which maybe is another conversation, but it's been an interesting reflection point for me. But um, just to sort of close up our conversation around making connections, I, I said that we had a portfolio um, in 2014. So after making connections in 2010, we then applied to be part of the Connect to Learn grant, which was a three-year FIPSI grant with LaGuardia Commun- uh, Community College. And um, 
that was extending the work that we did, really working, really trying to sort of double down on e-portfolio pedagogy on our campus and, and help faculty think not in terms of the technology, but really think about how, what are the challenges that you experience in the classroom? And is this, not, not forcing it, but is this a potential um, academic technology that could be used to support maybe engagement or, you know, this focus on process um, in your classroom. And um, during that time, there, because of some of the reasons that I mentioned around the lack of credit and the amount of work that really was going into supporting this portfolio system, there was um, a big vote on our campus and our portfolio system was suspended. That was in 2014, mm-hmm. and the the charge that was given was um, we're going to suspend it, and we're going to give this committee time to think about how to re to to do this in a way that works for our campus. Um, mm-hmm. What. What came out of that was a, was a program that we now have on our campus called Atlas. And Atlas is a program, mm-hmm. it is not required the way that our previous portfolio was. Um, however, it is a, it, 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 they're courses rather than a requirement that students, so, so we really built in the, the support um, for the work that we wanted students to do. Um, Digication ePortfolio is embedded into every single one of those classes, and it really the the the, um, the backbone of our Atlas program are four courses, one for each year of college. So it's called Atlas, and the four courses are I'm going to get this right: Passport, Pathfinder, Compass, and Pursuit. And each one really focuses on very intentional. Um, collection of information, reflection, and intentional decision-making around certain inflection points across the, the, a student's academic career. So for the first year passport, it's really about transitioning to college and understanding all the resources that are available to you and sort of intentional connection with those resources, um, reflecting on, uh, you know, going to different experiences and reflecting on those. The second one, Pathfinder, is about helping you make intentional choices um, through exploration around a major. The third one is for juniors who have, um, who are in the process of doing internships, who are thinking about careers and being very intentional again in the exploration of that and reflection on what's being learned and how to then use that information about what you've learned to make some future decision points. And then the last course is really about transitioning out of college and getting you ready for that transition. So we focus a lot more on um, a a professional e-portfolio that you can share with potential employers and um, practicing interviewing and practicing and working on resumes and, and cover letter writing. And, and um, there's a big piece of design thinking in there is that we think about, we develop odyssey plans and sort of develop plans for different potential directions that you want to go and uh, do informational interviews and things like that. So um that that is a program that exists at our college. It is um, 
we've got lots of data to show it, it works. It's a really good program. Unfortunately, because it's not required, it be, it, it's probably not as popular among our students as it might be. Um, but again, we have there's that thread that um, underlying it is our, our e-portfolios and the focus on process and reflection, which has been just really cool. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a great model for other institutions to look at when they're, you know, maybe have tried e-portfolios in some courses and then they know that they want to start to scale, but they don't know, you know, what, what's the secret sauce? Is it making it you know, a graduation requirement, like you Mm -hmm. mentioned earlier, and what are the pieces that we need to consider in professional development for faculty members? And how is this something that's really going to have those kind of built in touch points with the students throughout their time at the institution to make it something that's of value to them at all of the different stages that they're going to go through as a student and then preparing for life after school. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those that are listening, we will definitely include, I know that your school has some wonderful resources that are shared on the school's website about the Atlas mm-hmm. program that we can link to for those that want to look at that and also what some students have said about that experience. Yeah. yeah. And that really grew from the the kind of experimentation and um, collaboration through Connect to Learning. Mm-hmm. And I, it was such a wonderful kind of time in all of this because you had the opportunity to do the work at your campus and reflect on that work and also share it with the other institutions that were all kind of wrestling with these same kinds of questions and problems to solve and, um, you know, seeing these kind of successful moments and, and seeing things that were happening, but know that there were other kinds of structures and um, resources to put in place to make it something that could grow and, and be long lasting and a value to the students. Absolutely. Um, You know, that was also, do you, do you remember? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I'll just say, you know, one of the things that um, I think really came out of that work in addition to the Atlas program was an understanding of what the value of a community of practice and um, being Mm -hmm. connected beyond our own campus um, to other people who are doing the work. And we really brought that that learning and that model to our own campus. So um, in our first year program, um, which is another thing I've been involved in in the last few years, we completely revised our, our first year program um, and each of the each of the students who are in that program, which is all of our first years, um, they also get a Digication ePortfolio, and they post work on that Digication ePortfolio. The extent to which it's used. Um, in each of the classes kind of depends on how comfortable the faculty member is in using Digication. So there's some mm-hmm. variability there. Um, but they're using it for assessment at the end of the semester, at the end of the year. Um, but one of the things that we did in developing that new model of first year program is that every faculty member 
um, gets an extra teaching credit for being a member of our community of practice. So once a week, there is an hour dedicated to those faculty members coming together and just talking about teaching, talking about their students, talking about the common read and how they're going to be, you know, using it in their class, um, talking about the the common assignments and how they're going to introduce them. Um, And that has been, that was not something that was typical on our campus before. Um, And I was actually just speaking to a new faculty member, she's in her second year, and she mentioned how incredibly valuable that was her first year, especially because she was um, she started when we were virtual. So she, it was a, not only an opportunity for her to connect with faculty on our campus, but also um, a way to kind of learn the culture of teaching on our campus. Um, and we now are using communities of practice um, as a way to, I, I have a community of practice around design thinking and we meet twice a, a semester and it's just a way to say, how is it going? Um, what are some of the things that you're doing in your class that are working for you? What are some things that you would like to learn more about? Um, through our Center for Teaching, Learning, and Scholarship, we um, are also developing communities of practice. We're thinking about doing one around online learning because we have more and more faculty who want to mm-hmm. now teach. We've got programs that are now moving online and so supporting that as a practice um, and, a, and a pedagogy, not just a technology. So mm-hmm. all of these pieces have really right. come together as a result of the learning that we did um, early on, thinking about technology and pedagogy, um, and obviously specifically around ePortfolio. Yeah. Wow. What a gift. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've heard of too many um, institutions that have that as a, as a model that's built in for faculty in that way and have that deliberate intentional time Mm -hmm. for that level of sharing yeah that's been great um I do want to circle back a little bit to your um background and in teaching and psychology um because I know that there's probably some beautiful threads that have um kind of carried you through to where you are today and things that you probably draw from that time that are, are still being used in your conversations with faculty and students today? Do you have something that you might like to share on that front? Sure. Um, you know, one of the things that I think I've come to understand better than I have before um, and this sounds, I don't know, you know, sometimes you have these epiphanies and, and you feel like somebody's going to look at you and go, what, you didn't know that? <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, <laughs> so I've set the stage. Um, there are, there's obviously variability in how comfortable people feel in experimenting with their own teaching. And, um, I tend to be someone who feels quite comfortable with experimentation. And when I say experimentation, I, what I mean, just to operationalize, is, is trying something new in my class and being comfortable if it doesn't work. Um, and that's that, that was something that was very much true of me as a psychology professor. Um, I 
was teaching a course, just as an example, I was teaching my um, cultural psychology course and I'm not actually sure if it was that course, but I was teaching a course. And um, one semester, I was just like, we're going to make this a service learning course. And I had done some professional development around service learning the previous semester. And I connected with our center for community service, which is called the Clark Center. And um, we had students working in teams, and each one was connected to an off-campus community service organization. And we just did it. Um, I had support from our director of the Clark Center, and I had support from the Center for um, Teaching and Learning and, and the, the, the director there who had been doing some professional development around service learning. But I was quite ready to just dive in, even if it, I fell flat on my face. Um, and that, I think, has been very much a, a thread that allowed me to move into this new role of design thinking. And I've recognized how much teaching, and I think sort of developed a sense of empathy for faculty who are not comfortable moving into teaching design thinking, because design thinking is, um, it's very ambiguous about where you're going to end up. And you you can't really plan every, mm-hmm. every day of the class. And um, there's, you know, I'm even just listening to you talk about it a few minutes ago, Kelly, you know, the uncertainty of where, of where all of this is going to take you and where you're going to end up. Um, that does require a certain amount of flexibility and um, willingness to fail and um, mm-hmm. and sort of um, risk, risk-taking, right? And so we've been, I think, trying really hard to recognize, for example, our brand new faculty are, are perhaps not quite as willing to take risks because they have teaching evaluations that their students are going to be giving them. Um, and then there are faculty who are just not flexible in the, or they need, it's not that they're not flexible. They need a structure that for a class that is um, more specific than one that I have necessarily needed in, in my own um, career. Um, so that's one piece I think that's been very f- interesting and important for me to kind of understand. Um, another thread that's been really fun for me to see is that cultural psychology, first of all, emphasizes qualitative methods as does design thinking. So all of the methods that I would teach Mm -hmm. my students um, in order to understand people from a different culture are exactly the same ones that we use to help you understand the person who is experiencing a challenge, right? I mean, it's all the same. I I didn't have words for it before. I didn't recognize what I was teaching was empathy. And, and there, you know, I, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll pause for a minute and say I, I, there are a lot of people out there who have a problem with that term. And um, it's the reason I'm teaching an entire course called Empathy this semester. So <laughs> we've got a class that's completely <laughs> digging into, like, what is this thing and what is it actually? Um, but, you yeah. know, that's as a, as a cultural psychologist, it really was about understanding cultural behavior from within that culture and not from your own cultural lens. And that's what design thinking Mm -hmm. is. It took me a while to figure that out as I sort of moved into this new area. But I was like, wow, I've, this is what I've been doing. Um, And I think a lot of faculty that, that helped me sort of create a, 
a possible bridge for other faculty who who yes. see very much their own role as um, helping people understand different perspectives, right? Or helping, and even history, right? They're, you're looking at different times and different perspectives and different countries and different, it, it's all empathy and it's, it's, it's critical thinking and it's, um, so it's just a different language. And if we can use, if we're, if we're okay about, um, you know, at least developing a common language about how we want to talk about it so our students can see those connections, then um, that's, I think, you know, I think that that's been a helpful um, recognition on my end as I talk to faculty about design thinking. Yeah. Yeah. And you mentioned, you know, creating that bridge. And I do think that having a perspective that, you know, there are certain people that gravitate more toward risk-taking or I, I sometimes talk about um, comfort with discomfort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but some of, some of us seem to have a little uh, more comfort with discomfort than others, and I think that that can lead mm -hmm. to more risk-taking. But it's, I find that, again, kind of going back to that structure – and the more that you can repeat that, yes, mm -hmm. you may fall on your face, but that is okay mm -hmm. because you can go back to this and try something else. And that next thing that might happen after you fall on your face could be a hundred times more impactful or successful than what you may have um, done initially, but you had to have that, you had to have that fall first. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes with faculty members, they may not realize that they're actually, they do ask their students to do this and, um, but may not be giving themselves the, the kind of freedom to, to do that themselves. You know, I, we never have it all figured out. Nobody does. So right. we don't need to pretend that we do. Let's just get out right. there and, you know, have these conversations. So I, and Allison, you know, I love you so much. I love that you brought up that, you know, some people just have difficulty with that just word empathy. So, you know, instead of backing away from that, you're like, well, I'm just going to record us on it. Let's just get into it, you know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, you know, thank you and, for, and that, um, for sharing that. Two of the words that I try to emphasize with students, and whether it's with design thinking or not, um, are humility and curiosity. Um, humility mm -hmm. in the sense that recognizing what we don't know and equally importantly, um, equally important, recognizing that what we think we know might be wrong, I think is a, we, we talk a right. lot about that. And then curiosity that, um, you know, it is in some ways a practice in itself 
Um, and so trying to provide space and time within a class for students to be curious and go down that rabbit hole and find stuff that they, that they are, you know, they've, mm-hmm. they've, the, the, we've all had the, the experience of having that curiosity niggle, but then we're distracted, right? And we go on to the next thing, mm-hmm. but trying to sort of focus on that niggle and actually follow, follow it up, I think is something that, um, I'm trying to model. And so my class mm-hmm. is very much sort of me doing that with students where, and, and I think, um, again, I, you know, some people probably would not agree with this particular approach, but these students, we're learning together where, you know, I, I certainly know more than they do, but they, but we're, we're, we're exploring this concept together and they are identifying areas of empathy that they want to dig into and they're finding that research and they're bringing it back to class. Um, I am not the expert of all of this. Um, they're going to be, you know, they're, they're developing their own areas of expertise that I'm going to be learning from them. And, um, that I think it's, it's, you know, I think it is important to try to model those things. Um, and I hope, I hope that's what I'm doing, um, and not falling flat on my face about it, but, um, I'm, I'm, I'm going to try. <laughs> and um, so far, the students, I think, are really, are really enjoying the class. Good, good. Well, and if you do fall on your face, Allison, I know you're going to say, oops, <laughs> let me shift this. <laughs> Just like we would tell our students, right? Right. Right. Well, yeah. right. Uh, well right. I... I so value our our time today, Allison. I know we're getting uh, close to the end of the the time that we have scheduled. Is there any last point that you would like to share about what you're doing at the campus? I don't know if there's something going on this semester coming soon that you would like to to share with our listeners. Um. You know, I think one of the things I just wanted to talk a little bit about was, um, and I, I started, I think, in the very beginning of our talk saying something like, I think of design thinking as being a kind of project-based learning, which I think of as being a kind of experiential learning. And um, that is a real push that we're doing at the college right now. And in my experience, when we talk about experiential learning, we could be talking about internships for sure, but I think there are other ways to do that. I think there, um, and we should be thinking broadly about what experiential learning means. But for me, sort of at its core, it does need to have some external accountability to someone. So somebody other than me, and it needs to have some kind of um, real world learning experience. So um, one of the things that I've been doing on my campus is whether it's design thinking or not, I've really been trying to support faculty who are interested in bringing in that authentic audience, to use Randy Bass's term again, um, and have their students work with organizations that are off campus. So for example, this semester, um, I'm working with a faculty member who is teaching her, it's a marketing capstone. So these are seniors graduating with a, mm-hmm. with their bachelor's in marketing, and this is their final class. And um, with I was able to find three 
actually four different entrepreneurs. Um, the cool thing is they're all women, which I'm loving, but these are small businesses that, that are, that have essentially quote unquote hired, um, these marketing consultant teams of students and are working with them across Mm -hmm. the semester. And the students are, um, you know, I think I could put design thinking language to it, but it may not necessarily be right. There's language that the professor is using that's all around marketing, um, but it is, to me, that core to that experience is learning how to work with a client, the professionalism that students are going to have to learn around um, working with, with somebody that they are accountable to. Um, and now they're also mm-hmm. developing, it's networking, right? So that they now have someone who they can reach out to as a reference or may even offer them a job, or at least Absolutely. they've got a line on their resume that they can put this. And that's um, a direction that... I, I'm moving in and it's a direction that I'm really excited about because I think the, the learning that can come out of that experience for our students is just tremendous. So I just wanted to get that in there because it's uh, something yeah. I'm feeling pretty passionate yeah, about. Yeah, that's very exciting. Yeah, that's very exciting. And I, we may need to have a follow-up conversation once things, you know, continue in that direction and check in and and see how things are going. And and I yeah, hope those students are creating portfolios about those experiences. <laughs> I will well, go talk to Thank you again, Allison. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Uh, you can always give them my number. But um, thank you so much, Allison. It was really wonderful to connect with you today and catch up on all of the wonderful things that you're doing and and what's happening at Manhattanville. And um, I wish you the best of luck and, and do hope we can connect again soon. Thank you so much, Kelly. It's been, um, you know, it's not too often that we get to talk about ourselves and the work that we're doing. So thank you for the opportunity to share and um, also to reflect. Um, And I'm so glad to connect with you. So thanks. Oh, you're most welcome. Thank you, Allison. Take good care. Bye. Digication Scholars Conversations is brought to you by Digication technology platform powering the most innovative e-portfolio programs in K-12 and higher education. Our website can be found at digication.com. This episode was produced by Drew Albanicius and Kelly Driscoll. Thanks for listening.